The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant, which makes this Stuff You Should Know like you didn't know. And if this is your first time, if you really didn't know, welcome to the dark side. Your life is just forever changed. You are officially addicted. That's right. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I got. I'll take swords for five hundred, Trebek. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Isn't that what you said when I suggested this one? Uh, I typed it. Yeah. And I think you thought it was funnier when I typed it. <laughs> I uh, I heard it. Okay. I heard head. I heard it in my head. It sounded much like that. Daryl Hammond, <clears throat> Sean Connery. Yeah. Um, Chuck. Yes. Have you ever seen the movie Dazed and Confused? Uh, yeah. In like, fact, I remember the first time I saw that movie. Oh, yeah? Let's hear it. In Athens, at the Georgia Theater. Mm. That was a great place to see that movie. It was. That was wonderful. Yeah. Remember when? Uh, whenever they showed, uh, I think his name was Washington? No. The, the, no? Which character? The black guy. I think you're thinking of the Sweat Hogs. That was Washington. Right, but I think his name was Washington, too. Oh, okay. I think. I'm not sure. But yes, clearly, I could just be thinking of that guy because they both have frozen. They were set in the 70s. Right. But um, he has that paddle and it says soul pole on it. Yeah. Do you remember like uh-huh. the whole theater just erupting the first time it showed that? Yeah. That oh, was awesome. I remember I thought Matthew McConaughey was not an actor. Oh, like he was really Wooderson. I thought he was a real dude they just dug up in Texas. Oh, yeah, because that was like the beginning of his career. It's the first thing I ever saw him in. And Ben Affleck. Yeah. And uh, that was just a great movie. Parker Posey? Yeah, well, that, that brings me to my point. Okay. Parker Posey, you remember the part during the beer bust where um, Parker mm-hmm. Posey's funneling beer through a beer bong? Yeah. And like she's got it for like a half a second, maybe a second and a half, and then bah, it just like pours out of her mouth and all over her face? Yes. At that moment, the first thing I thought of is I'm sure everybody thought as well when they saw that very suggestive part was Parker Posey would be terrible at sword swallowing. That's what I thought. Yeah. <laughs> because it takes a certain amount of uh, relaxation uh-huh. to swallow a sword. And after researching and this article, I found that a sword swallower would make an excellent beer funneler. I haven't funneled a beer in a long time. It's been a while for me, it's too. It's probably good when you're 40 to be able yeah. to say that. I uh, I lost 
uh, access to beer funnels. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what happens. Like you just don't go to places where there's a beer funnel. No, not anymore. But you can always shotgun a beer as long as you have a pen and a beer can. I, I never got into any of that, to be honest. Keg stands, all that silliness. Keg I was, stands, I wasn't big. I on. was just like, just I'll just drink it. I don't prefer being upside down. I've never done a keg stand. Really? Never. It's really, um, you're like, it, you know what it feels like to be torn apart by a gang of angry toughs right. because there's like a couple of guys like <laughs> holding like your ankles and you're, yeah, <laughs> yeah. you're, uh, it's really kind of scary. You're on the edge there. We don't recommend any of those things. No. And while we're at it, this is the ultimate COA. Please, anyone out there, never, ever, ever try to swallow a sword or anything. Except food, obviously, in beverage. Right, but n- no food larger than the end of a football. Yeah. Do not, do not, do not try this at home ever, ever, ever. Right. Okay. Yeah. I, I, Josh and Chuck officially think you're stupid if you try to swallow anything after listening to this. Or if you participate in backyard wrestling. Yes. While That's we're at it. equally dangerous. Yes. All right. So, Chuck, um, let's talk about sword swallowing. I'm excited about this one. Kind of cool. Yeah. Um, this is part of our ongoing Circus Arts collection. Have we already done one? Human Cannonball. Oh, okay. We've got to get tightrope in there, and then we're sure. all set. Well, we need to do, like, freaks, too. Uh, Yeah, just sideshow freaks. Or maybe even, like, History of the Sideshow. That'd be pretty awesome. Agreed. All right, so um, what other kind of freaks would I have just been talking about? I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, the kind you meet on a Friday night. <laughs> have you seen? Have you seen that movie, Freaks? Oh, yeah. We've talked about that one. All right. Um, yes, we have. So, Chuck, let's talk about the history of sword swallowing, shall we? Yeah, I was kind of surprised to learn that it started out with sort of religious undertones, mm-hmm. or are they overtones? I think sword swallowing is so, ta-da, uh-huh. that um, it would be an overtone. An overtone? Yeah, it's not very subtle. Yeah, early on in India, about 4,000 years ago, they uh, kind of the same folks who were doing the fire walking and snake handling to sort of show their oneness with God would swallow swords. Yeah, like they were protected, and they would be like... Look what I can do. Yeah, I'm boastful. Yeah. Uh, Fakirs is what they're called. F-A-K-I-R? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, And, uh, yeah, sword swallowing has been around for 4,000 years, uh, and there's apparently still a tribe, although I couldn't find um, the name of the tribe, but it's in the Indian state of Andhra Pradesh, and... um, they apparently still pass down sword-swallowing skills from father to son. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So we know where it came from, and we know it's ancient. It started in India, started to move around the Far East, the Mideast. A typical path things would follow. China, Japan, Mideast, Europe. Language, civilization. Yeah. It all just followed the same path as sword-swallowing. It hit Japan um, and China in the 8th century AD. In Japan, it became part of Sengaku, Sangaku, mm-hmm. one of those two, yeah. which is basically like street performance, right? Um, and then apparently it got picked up again later on in India, again, in its, the cradle of it, um, by the whirling dervishes. The rebirth of sword swallowing? Yes, the by, first one. By the dervishes? Right, the whirling dervish. Uh, a dervish is a beggar of the Sufi mystic order of monks. And um, they would kind of whip themselves into a frenzy, hence the term whirling dervish. Uh, and there's a specific order of dervishes um, called the Order of Rifais. Rifais? Man, my Indian's getting rusty. 
Uh, and they eat glass, walk on coals, swallow swords. Basically, Jim, Jim the original. It's like a revival of the original. The original reason people would swallow swords. Okay, right. Love it. And then it comes to Europe, and uh, as with all things that came to Europe from the outside, the Catholic Church persecuted yeah. anyone who uh, <laughs> could swallow a sword. Man, fun killers back in the day. And, but that was not enough to kill it. It was basically just a loss of enthusiasm by the public. Um, it, by the 19th century in, in Europe, everybody's like, we've seen this before. We know what's going on. It's all an illusion, a trick, which we'll get to in a minute. All right. Um, but then it hits America. And there's a guy um, from Madras, an Indian man named uh, Sena Sama. And on November 24th, 1817, which will henceforth in the SYSK pantheon of dates be referred to as Sword Swallowing Day. Yeah. Uh, in New York City at St. John's Hall, for $1, adults could see the first person to ever swallow a sword in the United States. And for a dollar? A, for a dollar. That's a lot of money back then. I agreed, but this is a big deal. And you would think it would have taken off right then, but no, it wasn't until 1893 at the Chicago World's Fair that it became very popular in the U.S. Yeah, I wonder what else was big that year. That wasn't the ice cream year, was it? No. No, that was St. Louis. St. Louis. In 1903. Okay, so pre-ice cream, of course, sword swallowers, you know. If ice cream had been around, people would be like, eh. Right. I'd rather just eat ice cream. Right. This was the year that electricity was a big one. Oh, 1893? Yeah, that was the one that the uh, Devil in the White City is set. Oh, okay. The, I still haven't read that. It's pretty good. Well, you can wait for the movie now. Oh, is it coming out? Apparently, Leo DiCaprio is playing um, ah. the, the bad guy. Of course he is. Yes. I don't know why I said that. He rarely plays bad guys. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Although, he wasn't that good of a guy in Shutter Island. Uh, well, we don't want to ruin that. It doesn't matter. Okay. <laughs> uh, it died out again in the 1950s because of, uh, uh, you know, it was on the carnival circuit, and mm-hmm. I guess all these newfangled rides mm-hmm. sort of took away from the whole sideshow aspect. And then I love how this points out that the, you know, the internet and video games also helped kill sword swallowing. Right. Like, really? Yeah. I didn't know that one had anything to do with the other. It did. The internet and video games pretty much killed everything but the internet and video games and TV. Yeah, but now you can research and watch sword swallowing on the internet. No? <laughs> that is gorgeous thinking, Chuck. Okay. I'm very impressed with that one. All right, so uh, that's pretty much the history of sword swallowing. There's, I guess, toward the beginning of the 20th century when it became... Uh, very popular in the U.S. <clears throat> there is also a lot of um, controversy over whether it was a trick or an illusion. And Harry Houdini himself said it's a trick. There's a trick to it. And uh, he wrote in um, his very famous book, The Miracle Mongers, an expose, right? Yeah. Um, that people who swallow swords first backstage swallow a metal sheath that they slide the sword into. All right, I got to stop you here. How it's you're still swallowing the thing that's just as long and it's made of metal. I agree. <laughs> okay. And you're pretending like it's not in there. You're walking around talking. All, oh. I know. It seems easier just to learn to swallow this. I mean, it's not like. And we'll cover this. Actually, might as well go ahead and say it. The swords that they swallow aren't sharp edged. No, they are still pointy. But it's not like they're swallowing <laughs> razor blades. I, I get the impression that they're pointy-ish. Well, yeah. A dull point, I would say. Yes. But, I mean, that can't be much worse than the sheath, so. 
Right. I think the sheet is worse. Maybe Houdini was being funny and Tracy Wilson missed that. (laughs) Maybe so. She goes on to point out that the Encyclopedia Britannica says that it's a uh, magic trick as well. And that it's not a, um, that it is some sort of illusion or hoax or fraud. Mm -hmm. But really, apparently, the the basis of um, sword swallowing is quite real. Like the person is swallowing a sword. Yeah. Right? As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, was bought it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Gene. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Gene! Run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So let's, uh, how? How do you do that? (laughs) Well, Josh, if you're going to talk about swallowing a sword, then we need to talk about swallowing. And if you're going to talk about swallowing, you got to talk about the GI tract. Yes. Not the GI bill. The GI gastrointestinal tract. It's got a couple of types of muscle. It's got a skeletal muscle tissue and smooth muscle tissue. Mm -hmm. Little lubrication layer called mucosa. Mm -hmm. And then uh, skeletal muscle is involuntary. I'm sorry, voluntary. Right. And if you're talking about your upper GI, you're talking about your mouth, your pharynx, and your upper esophagus. Uh, the smooth muscle is involuntary, and they work in concert to help you swallow junk. Right. So the the top stuff is all voluntary. Like you can move your tongue, you can you can yeah. You start off doing it on purpose when you chew and swallow. Right. But then it gets to a certain point past the what is it the upper esophageal um, sphincter? Yeah. That just cracks me up. Once it gets past that, which is kind of high up toward the uh, top of the the um, esophagus. Yes. Then, it, like you said, it becomes all involuntary. It's automatic, which makes it very difficult to control anything that happens after that. Yeah, specifically, the um, you know your epi- epiglottis goes into action because that keeps stuff from going down into your lungs, which right. you don't want. Yeah, uh, bolus is food is, is chewed food and saliva. That's the best word ever. <laughs> bolus. Yeah, 
B-O-L-U-S. And um, <laughs> once you've done all the voluntary action, it does a pretty cool thing. It gets down to uh, the part of your esophagus that has the smooth muscle, the involuntary muscle. Yes. And uh, peristalsis takes over. And that's basically your... It just squeezes it down like an inch at a time. Yeah, you know how your esophagus is ringed? Yeah. Right? Um, those rings are little bands of muscle, and then they squeeze just above the bolus. And, and just shut just it down there. It down. <laughs> Finally, it gets to the lower esophageal sphincter, and that opens. Like, you have to laugh every time you say sphincter. That, that, <laughs> that opens, and it, the, the bolus drops into the stomach to be digested and then eventually pooped out. Yeah. So that's what happens. That's swallowing. That's, Food. That's life. That is we life. We just described life. <laughs> uh, the, the, the trick here, not trick, but on the way down, it passes by things like your trachea, mm-hmm. uh, your heart, your aorta. Which your I th- thought was part of the heart. Well, it's a, it's the artery, the main artery that connects to the heart. Yeah, and I saw the vena cava was also separate. That's the main vein. <laughs> and that was di- unintentional and as the, well. the diaphragm is the uh the, <laughs> the muscle that moves up and down which allows us to breathe and and we say all this because the sword is, is passing right through there yeah i mean it takes the same path as your food does yeah pretty much yeah i not mean pretty much exactly the we have our ribs because we've got so many vital organs right there that they need extra protecting um and so we circumvent the ribs when we swallow swords and just go directly past all that stuff, all that soft tissue, right? Yeah, but there's a difference, a big difference here. Di- swallowing food requires a lot of contraction of muscles. And what you want to do when you swallow a sword is you want to relax all those muscles, even the involuntary ones, which is, we'll get in, in, into how to do that in a minute here. Okay. But it's sort of the opposite of, even though it follows the same path, the muscles are doing things they shouldn't do, aren't trained to do at least. Well, that's kind of the point of sword swallowing. Like, if you, one of the reasons we warned you against sword swallowing is because you can't just swallow a sword the first time you try it. No. You, you could, but you would kill yourself. Yes. Um, sword swallowing actually takes a lot of practice and a lot of horrible, horrible practice too. Um, you have to train, you have to train your involuntary muscle to work voluntarily. Right? Yeah, or to not volunteer at all. That's a great point. By by um, relaxing. Yeah. So the, the voluntary stuff, and let's talk about this. This is, I guess now we've reached sword swallowing 101. Yeah. The, the first part is easy because it's all voluntary muscle. You move your tongue out of the way. Yeah. You open your throat. Yeah. Um, you tilt your head back. You always see a sword swallower tilt his head back. It's intuitive. But at the same time, the reason why is because they're lining up the pharynx, the throat, mm-hmm. with the esophagus, so that it's a straight shot, as straight as possible, from the from the mouth all the way down, right? That's right. Um, and then after that, Chuck. Well, you slip the uh, the sword down in there, and it passes through the mouth and pharynx and upper esophageal sphincter into the esophagus itself. And the esophagus has got a little curve to it, so the sword is actually going to straighten it out. And Tracy even points out that sometimes it's nudging organs out of the way as well yeah. on the way down. That's why you usually swallow a sword slowly. And, and the lubed sword as well. Yeah. Uh, and then um, 
lubed so, either by saliva or artificially. Right. Some people use um, uh, petroleum jelly or vegetable oil or something. Whatever your flavor is. So that's how it's done. Pretty cool. That's right. That's pretty much all there is to it. It's, but it, again, it takes some um, tremendous practice. Um, and also, depending on the type of the sword, the length of the sword. Yeah. You said it was blunted. It's not sharp. Still kind of pointy. Yeah. But it's as dull as possible. Um, but the length of the sword is also very important as well. Um, usually from your teeth to the cardia, which is, uh, where basically where the stomach connects to the esophagus. Yeah. Where your lower esophageal sphincter is, um, is about 40 centimeters in the average person. Yeah. Okay. That sounds about right. So if you swallow a sword that's longer than 40 centimeters, um, you are going to, it's going to have to go into your stomach. Yeah. That's a big deal. Yeah, and what I've gotten is most sword swallowers don't do that. Um, it's not by accident that the Sword Swallowers Swallowers Association International mm-hmm. uh, defines that length at 38 centimeters that you know to qualify. So if it's 40 centimeters, they said let's make it a couple centimeters short. Right, but this is just the typical person. It could be much shorter. That's just to qualify. I don't know. I thought it had to be that long. No, no, I'm saying your um, the distance oh, to your okay. cardia could be shorter. So gotcha. even with that shorter sword, you still may be in your stomach. But yes, if you just if you get it all the way down to a couple centimeters above your cardia, the SSAI mm-hmm. it still considers you a, a sword swallower, which I think is nice. That is nice. But Chuck, um, if you if you are taking a sword all the way down to your cardia. Into your stomach. The sword is literally in your stomach. That's crazy. Not only have you relaxed like all the voluntary muscles in your mouth, mm-hmm. you've relaxed all the voluntary muscles on your um, on your larynx and in your esophagus, right? Yeah. Uh, all the involuntary muscles, but you've also managed to figure out how to relax both of your esophageal sphincters, the top one and the one above your stomach, so that you can pass a sword through without damaging it. And without that, yeah. Is nuts. Yeah. And they do recommend, by the way, um, nothing over 24 inches, 61 centimeters, because at that point you are well into your stomach. Yeah, that's the SSAI again. Yeah, and I guess anything over that, you might go hit the bottom of the stomach, (laughs) which you don't want to (laughs) do. Also, I want to point out that there is also a long tradition of sword swallowers who juggle and often do this on horseback while juggling. Oh, dude, unicycles, cartwheels, they do all sorts of crazy things. So really, to me, just standing stock still mm-hmm. and swallowing a sword, that's impressive. Have you ever seen the drop? No. There's this, I don't know if it's a new move, but it's a move where you put it down like halfway, and then you move your hands, and you let it drop by itself, oh, wow. and you actually tighten your, catch it with your esophageal muscles. That is control. Pretty good control. Yeah. Yeah. And they always take it out really quick, too, if you notice, because you're, we'll talk about the gag reflex, but you're suspending that, and you can only do that for so long. That's why they, you know, you see them do it, and then it's like, ta-da, and they yank it back out really quickly. Because they want to live. That's right. Yeah. Um. Well, speaking of the gag reflex, 
that's one of the things that has to be overcome in training. Yeah, let's let's get into the reflex thing. Okay, well, reflexes exist outside of the brain. They're actually um, regulated by the brain stem. I didn't know that, actually. Well, it's how, how somebody can still be considered alive, even yeah. though their higher faculties are gone, because they still have reflexes. It makes sense. I just never really thought about it that way. But, well, uh, look, may I describe how a reflex works? Please. So, basically, you have a um, receptor nerve ending mm-hmm. that detects, in this case, in your throat, detects some sort of object or intrusion that shouldn't be there. Like a sword. Basically, the, in, <laughs> the only stuff that should be there is fluid and chewed food, Yeah. as far as your receptors are concerned. But yes, if a sword or any other metal object um, makes its way into your throat, mm-hmm. the receptors are going to figure this out, and they're going to send an electrical impulse to your central nervous system in the brainstem, the, um, in, the uh, integration center is what it's called. Yeah, that's kind of like... it's kind of sounded to me like a call center, like literally, I mean, it happens so quick, but it's like, what's the nature of your emergency, sir? Exactly. Like, I've got a sword in my throat. But this is the brain stem, so it's all done on like um, punch cards, like they used to play <laughs> tic-tac-toe in the right. 70s. Hanging chads. Um, so uh, the, your, your brain stem says, oh, okay, well, there shouldn't be a metal object there. Let's just go ahead and direct the muscles of the throat to gag. And that produces what's called a retch. Mm-hmm. And that's meant to expel the foreign object. Yeah. What sword swallowers do is mute or dull this reflex so that it doesn't happen at all. And they do it by setting it off time after time after time. Unbelievable. They make themselves gag <laughs> as much as they can until it doesn't work. Yeah. Which, Which is dangerous. It's very dangerous. Yeah. And uh, if you didn't get the idea before from the initial COA... Sword swallowing is a very, very dangerous pastime profession, whatever you're using it for. I would imagine they're at a higher risk for choking. Choking? Um, yeah, because it, it, the point of the gag reflex is to get that stuff out. That piece of steak comes flying out when you retch it up. Yes. Uh, and Ideally. If, if you don't have a gag reflex, then, yeah, that's bad news because that steak just stays in there and you die. You know, I had a friend um, who, when I was in elementary school, his mom got an emergency tracheotomy with a steak knife. Oh, yeah? Yep. God, you always hear about those stories. She had the little scar and everything. Jeez. Yeah. Someone in a restaurant? Doctor. Oh, wow. Yeah. Gave her a, I mean, a steak knife. Yeah. No anesthesia, no nothing. Steak knife and then a, a straw or a pen. Jeez. Yeah. I've never seen anything good like that happen. I didn't see it happen. Yeah, but I mean, I've never, I'm just saying, I've never seen any, like, awesome life-saving situation. Yeah. I want to be a part of one one day. Just not on the steak (laughs) side. (laughs) As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor! Gene, was bought it! Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. You write the books, Jin, and Vlastor on the business. I understand now. It's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, so what what are their dangers? They actually did a study um, of, and they, they won an Ig Nobel Prize for this study, I found out, in 2007. Yeah. And they studied 110 um, English-speaking sword swallowers and basically just asked them a bunch of questions about their health. And they called it sword throat when they get a sore throat. Yeah. I thought that was kind of clever. It is very clever. <laughs> uh, so throat pain... Um, Lower chest pain, persistent lower chest pain, internal bleeding occasionally. Yeah. I saw this one lady who was coughing up blood, and they found out that she had, like, nicked part of her esophagus way down, Uh which I imagine is common. Um, Esophageal perforations, like we just talked about. Uh, uh, How do you say that? Pleurisy? Pleurisy. Pleurisy. Inflammation of the lungs. And pericarditis, which is inflammation of the sac that protects the heart. And that's in descending order of how often those things happened. Yeah. So everyone gets the sword throat, it seems like, but probably very few actually got inflammation of the uh, the pericardium. Right. They also figured out that um, there was a, uh, a trend among sword swallowers where if they had a particularly rough performance, um, the inflammation that would result resulted in further injury. So, like, they would be okay during the performance, but, you know, they had a little trouble getting it down. But then a day later or something, they they broke their esophagus or something like uh, that. Oh, really? And then also, apparently, sinus infections are common because you're you're passing the sword with petroleum jelly and whatever <laughs> hair and gunk yeah. it picked up in between the time you put the petroleum jelly on and the time you swallowed it, uh-huh. right past the sinuses, which can be sensitive, I can attest. And I imagine the circus sideshow isn't the cleanest area on the planet you i think imagine correctly you know what i'm saying um there's also death is a side effect of sword swallowing from time to time um another british medical journal study cited the death of a man who um swallowed an umbrella or tried to and died my first question was did he accidentally try and open it (laughs) he hit the button it's like uh, tom and jerry yeah totally (laughs) And his body flares out like an umbrella. Right. It's like Tom and Jerry, except real life and sad. That's right. Yeah. Um, World Sword Swallowers Day, 2010. What it sounds like is that they gathered sword swallowers at Ripley's Believe It or Nots all over the country. Okay. To do this all at once, to yeah. perform. Um, and Red Stewart, your buddy Red, he swallowed a world record 52 swords at a time. Oh, man. And I don't know if that's official or unofficial Guinness certified, but uh, George the Giant swallowed a 37-inch sword 
at the Hollywood, believe it or not. Jeez. So that's, they recommend 24 inches max because you're in the stomach. It's 37 inches. That's longer than three feet. That's crazy. Uh, Dan Meyer swallowed a giant straight razor and hedge clippers in Dallas at the Believe It or Not there. <laughs> Travis Fessler swallowed a sword with cockroaches crawling around it, um, crawling mm-hmm. on the sword. And That's guess where weird. this one happened? <laughs> where? Gatlinburg. Oh, yeah? Tennessee. Wow. Um, what else? A 120-degree curved sword at the Ripley's Believe It or Not in Ocean City, wow. Maryland. And, uh, I'm just amazed over here. I know. And finally, Mike Harrison at the Orlando, believe it or not, swallowed a sword that was driven down his throat by the discharge of a gun. I don't know how that happened. but Wait, what happened? Apparently, it was shot into his mouth from a gun. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'd like to see that one. Wow. Yeah, that's got to be on the internet. Uh-huh. Which has first killed... And then now supports sword swallowing. Right. And also Red Stewart, who you mentioned, who uh, swallowed 52 swords at once. Uh, I guess his former record was 25. Um, but before that, this impresses me the most. He In 1977, he swallowed a car axle. <laughs> <laughs> well, they do. Tracy pointed out people swallow dipsticks and other straight metal things. Car axle. Yeah. That's pretty amazing stuff. Yeah, that's got to be pretty big around, too. Yeah. And uh, people have swallowed snakes. I found this guy. Oh, that sucks for the snake. Yeah, I think the snake lives. Yeah, but still, he's like, <laughs> well, sure. What are you doing? Well, the snake is probably like, I'm getting eaten by another snake. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know? Yeah, okay, so it's just desserts then. But uh, this dude in the 1840s, Sal- uh, Salamintro, the snake swallower, mm-hmm. he, uh, I have a couple of good quotes from him. Uh, they fancy that it hurts you, but it don't. Or what a fool I should be to do it. I don't mean to say it don't hurt you at first, because it do, for my swallow was very bad, and I couldn't eat anything but liquids for two months whilst I was learning. I cured my swallow whilst I was stretching it with lemon and sugar. And then uh, he learned to swallow, that was swords, and he learned to swallow a snake, and said, uh, the snakes are about 18 inches long, and you must first cut the stingers out, because it might hurt you. When I first began swallowing snakes, they tasted queer-like. They draw the roof of your mouth a bit. It's a roughish taste. <laughs> Apparently the scales, like it's easier going down than it is coming back up. Oh, I could see just that. Just the way the scales are laying. I could totally see that. So we don't recommend swallowing snakes either. And I don't know if anyone still does that. That might be a, a 19th century. Swallowing steaks? Snakes? <laughs> Gag. Swallowing oh, no. steaks? I swallow steaks a lot. Yeah. <laughs> it's not, not tough. No. Um. Well, I guess that's it. You got anything else? No. Well, if you want to see some pretty cool images about um, sword swallowing with a strange, like, kind of um, superhero worshipy um, man. He was buff, too. Really, Did you notice really that? buff, yeah. There was a, there was a period around <laughs> How Stuff Works where, like, comic book geeks, like, kind of ruled the place. Right. And so this was acceptable in some way. Yeah, it was definitely looked different than our other illustrations. Right. So if you want to, um, if you want to see those weird illustrations... And learn uh, as much as you possibly can about sword swallowing. Uh, and the circus arts in general. We have a whole circus arts section. Did you know that? <laughs> I just love you say circus arts. Yeah. Um, it's uh, Any of that stuff can be typed into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com. And that means now, Chuck, it's time for listener mail. I'm going to call this blood type follow-up. 
Uh, guys that just Googled good podcast and found your name. And I think he was serious. Although I Googled good podcast and I didn't see anything. What comes up? Uh, there was one article about how to do a good podcast and it was like, Enunciate very clearly. Uh, stick to the point and keep it short. <laughs> and I was like, wow, wow we're, we're way off. <laughs> Breaking rules. Uh, so I just enjoyed your latest podcast and have a contribution on the subject of blood type. Uh, to put it simply, the transfusion rate is 60 to 90 milliliters per hour for the first 15 minutes, although each hospital has its own policy and an exact rate. Uh, but it, uh, on average, it is 60 to 90. After about 15 minutes, the rate can be advanced to 100 to 120 milliliters per hour. The rationale is that if an acute uh, hemolytic reaction is going to occur, it will happen in the first 15 minutes of a transfusion, and the slow rate keeps the infused volume low. So using a little advanced math to answer your question, it takes as little as 16 to 22.5 milliliters of incompatible blood to cause a reaction. Of course, these are rough estimates, but they do give you a hint of how a little bad blood can cause a big problem. Uh, thanks for doing the show. I look forward to going back and listening to old shows, as well as the current new ones. I hope I didn't just make myself look like an idiot. Far from it, Dan. You sounded pretty dang smart. I would say so. Um, yeah, also, it's really weird to uh, to get feedback that quickly. Like, we recorded that two days ago. Yeah. And bam, we've got an answer. I really enjoyed that. We... I kind of wish we could do this live, but that wouldn't work. <laughs> uh, we've tried that before. It never does work. Yeah. Um, well, I guess that's it. Do you have uh, anything? Do you want to call for anything? Uh, no. Okay. Um, if you have any kind of circus arts background or your family does, we want to hear about it because we find that kind of stuff fascinating. Um, also, by the way, black guy in Dazed and Confused is named Melvin Spivey. Really? <laughs> I was way off, so sorry about that. Um, you can tweet to us at SYSK Podcast. You can send us uh, stuff on Facebook at facebook.com slash stuff you should know. And you can also send us an old-fashioned email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. Be sure to check out our new video podcast, Stuff from the Future. Join House of Work staff as we explore the most promising and perplexing possibilities of tomorrow. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Hey, if you haven't heard of Visible, well, now you have. They're the wireless carrier that's making wireless visible. It's in the name. Switch to Visible, the wireless company that makes wireless visible. Get a one-line plan with unlimited 5G data powered by Verizon as low as $25 a month every month, taxes and fees included. Use promo code STUFF. 20 to receive $20 off your first month for listening to this podcast. Switch now at Visible.com. For data management practices and additional terms, visit Visible.com. The Visible monthly rate is $25 per month. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.